Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. Guys, I'm really excited about this series. Just to give you a picture of what this year has been for us. So actually, before I get started, I'm Mike, one of the leaders here. And so if you're new with us this morning, welcome. We're, we're glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. And uh, we're, we just celebrated five years last week. So yeah, yeah, who, who said that? That's awesome. Yeah, still, <laughs> still living off those little mini donuts, I see. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, it's just a really exciting time for our church. And so we have been, this year, our theme has been scriptural, spiritual awakening. We started out in the book of Daniel, and we went through the book of Daniel, or the first half of the book of Daniel, until it gets a little weird. I uh, know, <laughs> maybe we'll get back to that one day, but we went to, uh, through awakening, and, and then we went into spiritual formation, and we went through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and it's Jesus' first full sermon there. And then uh, we did spiritual gifts. We just spent this whole summer going through all 20 spiritual gifts and teaching on those gifts and what those mean. Uh, so spiritual power, right? This is power in the spirit. And now into the fall, we're going to spiritual warfare. And that's why we're in the book of Ephesians. And so we'll, uh, we'll get eventually to Ephesians chapter 6, which is the armor of God passage that talks about our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of this world. And, but... Everything, starting in verse 1, is leading up to the end of the book of Ephesians. Okay? And, and so what, we're, what, we're, what I'm trying to do is frame this for us. And so here's our, here's our sermon series right here. It's called Uprising, The War is Won is a subtitle because, guys, like, that's good news, right? The war is won. And through this series, I, like I said, I'm really excited about what God's going to do in our church and in our city through this series. And so, as we preach through this series, as we teach through it, like, feel free to shout stuff out. Like, feel free to get excited. Like, when things, res- yeah, thank you. When things resonate with you, feel free to make it known so that we as a church can come together and rise up. So each week is themed for rising something. So this week, rising confidence. Next week, rising something else. I don't know. Hope, maybe? Um, I don't know what, what is next week, even though I'm preaching next week. Um, each theme has something. Rising boldness, rising faith, rising uh, intimacy, rising et cetera, et cetera. And on this, on this uh, uh, banner stand here, you see here, actually, let me read you the series description, which, which, I, um, which I wrote for a series It says, affliction, lies, suffering, brokenness, darkness, temptation, the war is waging, but you have an inheritance. You've been saved by faith. You've been renewed. All truths in the book of Ephesians. Are you awakened, though? Do you know what you've received? Do you know how you've been blessed? Do you know how you've been equipped? Purpose, love, unity, hope, boldness, light, rising. The war is won. And you see here on here, we have temptation, darkness, brokenness, lies, suffering, affliction, and they're fading away. And hopefully those can be replaced by the truths of the book of Ephesians as we walk through it together. So, um, 
yeah, this is going to be a really exciting time for our church. And, and don't be naive on this. We're talking about spiritual warfare. If you're a follower of Jesus in here this morning, expect spiritual warfare to happen in our church. Okay? One of the main areas of spiritual warfare in, in, in the book of Ephesians, you see this, it, Paul kind of goes through these, these relationships, and then he gets to Ephesians 5, which is husband and wife, it's, it's parents and children, it's work relationships, and then he goes straight into the armor of God. Why do you think he does that? And when you read through the book, as Misty was suggesting we do, which will only take you like 10 to 15 minutes. It's not that long. It's not, it's not that much time to set aside to like sit down and, and read the entire book, which is how it was meant to be read as a whole. When you do that, and you get to Ephesians 5 and then 6, you're like, wow, that's a weird transition. But Paul is saying, put on the armor of God in your relationships, guys. This is where the enemy is going to attack you. He's going to attack you through temptation. He's going to attack you through relationships. So get ready. So as a church, we're doing that together. We're, we're getting ready. Because guess what? If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you're already in the battle. A lot of you guys are just running around like you don't even know. But you're in the battle if you're a follower of Jesus. And hopefully we're going to start putting the armor of God onto you this morning. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, and all those three or four other ones. So this morning... We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to talk about rising confidence. I'm a, generally, I'm a fairly confident person. Some people think that's, to some people that comes off as arrogance, to some people that comes off as like, they think I know everything, but I don't, and I'm not arrogant. I'm very humble. <laughs> I'm glad you got that joke, so, because um, then it would have been awkward, because then I had to explain myself. Uh, but... Generally, I'm, I'm a pretty confident person, um, but I wasn't always this way. I, for most of my life, actually, I've struggled with confidence, and three things changed that in my life. One, Jesus, rooting my confidence in Jesus. Two, knowing who I am. And three, knowing who I am not, and being okay with that. I'm trying to teach my daughter, Emerson, to have proper confidence. She's eight years old, and uh, she, she's a really smart kid. Uh, if you've talked to her, her vocabulary is pretty big. She's, she just, she's, she's pretty intelligent, but she think, because of that, she thinks she has to know everything. And so she has this false idea of confidence. She has this kind of fake confidence, because she thinks her knowing everything is her having confidence. And so I've been teaching her Knowing or being confident is as much knowing what you don't know as it is what you do know, and being okay with that. And, and when, we, when we, you know, actually when we moved up to, when, when God was leading us to move up to Toronto, I lacked so much confidence. We knew God had called us to Toronto. This was, what, 2009? Uh, but, guys, I had no idea how to start a church. I had never started anything like this before. I had no idea how to uh, be like a leader of an organization. I had never done that before. I had no idea what my gifts were. I had no idea what my abilities were. I had no idea. Guys, we didn't know anybody in Toronto. Actually, we didn't know anybody in Canada. How crazy is that? And we're like, we're supposed to move to Canada to do this. And we had no idea what we were stepping into. And I lacked so much confidence, not only in myself, but in what God was calling us to do. 
And, and along the way, this didn't help. Because we had to raise a boatload of money. We had to, we had to put aside our identity in certain things. We had to, we, uh, I had to leave jobs. I had to, um, we, we had to do a whole bunch of stuff to get ready for this. And what didn't help along the way is that when we were raising money, people were saying, uh, you're not called to do this. Yeah, you're not equipped to do this. You're not experienced enough to do this. God is not calling you to do this. You don't have the right abilities. You're not the right type of leader. You're not, boom, boom. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. And that just continued to destroy my confidence in what Christ was calling us to do. And eventually, what changed that was those three things. Through that process, which is really painful, the Proverbs say gold is made for the, I always get it mixed up, gold is made for the crucible, silver for the furnace, or the other way around. Uh, and, and we went through the crucible, we went through the furnace, and, and hopefully out of that, the Proverbs is alluding to this, out of that you, you arise as precious metals because things are worked out of you, right? So that was definitely the crucible, or one of our crucible moments where it was just like, people were trying to destroy the confidence that we had in Christ Jesus. And, and eventually through those three things, what arose was I knew Jesus more. I had much more confidence in who Jesus was and who he wasn't. And then I had much more confidence and awareness in who I, I was and I wasn't. And I started to discover my gifts and my abilities and, and my leadership personality and, and you know, everything in between. But the sad thing is, for us as followers of Jesus, most of you are still like eight-year-old Emerson. You're still thinking like a child, you're still acting like a child, you're still talking like a child, and you're still in childish ways because you don't know those things. You don't know who Jesus is and who he isn't. You're believing lies on who he is. You don't know who you are. You have no awareness about who you are and who you're not, and you're not comfortable with it. You may know it, but you're not comfortable with it. You're not comfortable with saying, yeah, I, don't, I can't do that, or that's not me. And once you can, uh, then, then you'll start to experience true confidence. So uh, a lot of us, though, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, when I was a child, I acted like a child. I talked like a child. I spoke like a child. But I started to put away childish things when I met Jesus, when I became a man, when I became mature. And so your journey of faith is moving from being a child to being mature in Christ. He says, when you experience the perfect, the partial will pass away, the imperfect will pass away. So let's start experiencing perfect this morning as a church, as individuals, as a corporate body, because I want confidence to rise up in us in this season. And I'm going to explain more and more what that is throughout, throughout this. But I want confidence to rise up in us as a church. And as you individually, I want you to know your gifts. I want you to know your, your passions. I want you to be confident in who Jesus says he is. And like Jamie said this morning, we can actually trust that when Jesus says, I am this, that he is that. So let's, let's go to the bottom line this morning. This is just a statement that if you get nothing else in the sermon this morning, this is what I want you to, to remember and hold on to. If you have confidence in who Jesus is, and who he is not, you'll have confidence in who you are and who you are not. That's, there's an, a particular ordering there. Don't mix up that order. Don't try to find confidence in yourself first. Trust in Jesus. Have faith in Jesus. Have confidence in Jesus first. Know who he is and who he isn't. And that's going to inform 
you as a follower of Jesus. For those of you in here this morning who, who are like, yeah, I don't consider myself a follower of Jesus, this is what is accessible to you this morning. And so, listen as we, as we talk through what the Bible says about who Jesus is and who you are. So let's start in verse 1. And all we're going to do, guys, we're just going to roll through these 14 verses in the next however many minutes. So try to, I know I'm talking fast this morning. It's not just because I'm like excited or had caffeine. I actually haven't had anything this morning. So uh, it's just because we got a lot to go through in these 14 verses. And it's really exciting. So Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. First of all, he introduces himself, one by his name. He knows who he is, Paul but also an apostle of Christ Jesus. He, he knows his gifting. He knows his calling. He knows what God has been leading him to do. And he knows that is rooted in Christ. Do you know that about yourself this morning? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know what your calling is? And guys, calling doesn't have to be this like ethereal, mystical experience. Calling for most of us is follow Jesus according to this book. Now, we see in this book sometimes there's specific callings that God places on people's lives. Paul was one of those, where he like opened up the heavens and spoke to him, right? Like, I don't think that's happened to any of us in this room. If it has, like, let's talk. That's really awesome. Or you should just come up and share stuff with us right now. Uh, but like, we see that there's specific callings, Abraham, and, and there's specific reasons for that. But most of us guys, it's just, if we can get common faithfulness done, and we can get that right, then we're doing really good in the kingdom of God, right? If we can just get common faithfulness done. But most of us just struggle with that. We struggle with just being, com- like, just being faithful. So, um, and then, like I said, some of you guys may have specific callings. You may say, yeah, God is calling me to do this. He has called me here. Uh, that was the case for us for Toronto. We knew God wanted us here in Toronto. Uh, we still don't know the, the intricacies of how that's going to work out in the next 60 years. Yeah, we probably have 60. I'm almost 40. So, yeah, like medicine's advancing all that stuff, right? We're good. Okay. Um, and, and so, yeah, we don't know how that's all going to work out, but we know that God wants us here. And, and you guys might have that too. Like, I know I'm supposed to be in Toronto at this time. I know God has called me to the school. I know God has given me this job. I know God has, has uh, called me to be in relationship with these people, with my spouse, with my boyfriend and girlfriend, with my friends, whatever it is. Uh, don't make it too mystical and ethereal. Uh, ground it in Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul does. He's like, I'm an apostle. I'm apostolic. Apostleship is one of my gifts. It's also an office for him because of, of certain things. And it's in Christ Jesus. So, and he says, by the will of God. By the rule, by the reign, by the sovereignty of God, Paul recognizes that in all this, God has a certain direction for his life, and he wants to join into that path. Then he says in verse, or continuing verse 1, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. And basic foundation for us, and that's what we're laying this morning for spiritual warfare, guys, I'm laying the foundation for us. Paul is doing that here in this first chapter for us to actually enter into following Jesus into this battle. And basic, basic uh, foundation is, are you a saint or are you a... We often put sinner, so you probably thought I was going to say that. 
but are you not a saint? We're all sinners at one point. We all still, unfortunately, uh, even those of us who follow Jesus are sinners. The difference is redemption. Right? The difference is Jesus. And so here he says to the saints, like, are you a saint this morning? Do you consider yourself in, in that path of following Jesus, the righteous way the psalmist calls it? Are you in the way of righteousness? And righteousness isn't just about right or wrong, guys. It's not just about good or evil. It's, it has a much deeper uh, social aspect to that. Uh, so, but are you, are you a saint? Because this is to the saints who are in Ephesus and to us and are faithful or believing in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God. Because I could like spend the rest of the time just on grace and peace, but grace is undeserving, unmerited favor. That's your basic definition of grace, that you are undeserving, that you have done nothing to earn this, but yet God gives it to you. It's grace. That's, religion is the complete opposite. Religion is saying, do these things, and you can earn God's favor. You can earn God's grace. The way of Christ says, no, it's unmerited, it's undeserved, it's unearned. It's just his grace. And we'll talk about his grace more as we go through this. And peace. And peace is this, in the scriptures, it's this wholeness. It's this wholeness of well-being. And, and are you experiencing God's peace this morning? Do you, do you experience this wholeness in your well-being? And if you say no this morning, then it may be because, and it's probably because you're not experiencing God's grace. Grace is what we experience. Peace is the effect of experiencing God's grace. This is like cause and effect here. So if you're not experiencing peace in your life this morning, odds are you don't understand and know and experience the fullness of the grace of God. And you're probably thinking, well, how do I do that? Write this down. I'm going to give you the secret. (laughs) Confession and repentance. That's it. That's pretty simple, right? That's not hard. Confession and repentance. Are those regular practices in your life? Because you're messing up every day. I'm messing up every hour. So we're, we're, we're constantly messing up. Is confession and repentance to, to Jesus Christ a regular part of your life? We're going to talk about later you've been forgiven. I'm not talking about asking forgiveness. I'm talking about confession and repentance. That's how you understand and experience, and experience more and more of God's undeserved, unmerited, unearned grace. Okay? Confession and repentance. Make that a spiritual discipline in your life. He says, from God our Father, and I love how the prayer team this morning, David was leading the prayer team this morning, and I love how David, we didn't even talk about this, but how he talked about God as Father this morning and led our our team in that this morning, because it's exactly what I was going to talk about with God our Father. Whenever you see God our Father uh, in the New Testament, that should trigger personal, intimate relationship with God. There's another term in the Old Testament for this, because Father isn't, isn't really used that much in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Scriptures. The, whenever you see LORD in all caps in your Bible, just L-O-R-D in all caps, that's Yahweh. And that triggers for us God's personal, intimate relationship. In the New Testament, Jesus doesn't invent the, the term Father for God, but he popularizes it. And because it was already there in the Old Testament, but he popularizes this phrase uh, or this nomenclature for God. And so when you see it here, 
it's a trigger for us to say, God is really intimate and personal here. And I know for some of us, uh, because of how we've grown up with our fathers, our fathers haven't been there, our fathers have been distant, our fathers have treated us a certain way, um, we, you, can, you can tend to import that into God as Father, but hopefully as we go through the book of Ephesians, you'll understand God as Father, not through the lens of your own Father, but through the lens of who He says He is as a Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord there for Jesus Christ is a different word than the all caps Lord. This is, this is just showing us Jesus in His authority, His power, and His might. Does Jesus have authority in your life this morning? Does he have power? Does he have might in your life? Do you trust in his power, authority, and might? Do you have confidence in Christ in that way? Guys, we're entering into a spiritual battle. Like I said, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are in that battle. You may be in the trench. You may be standing there in the open field, walking around, not even knowing. You may not have the arm of God on. You may have it on. You may not have the sword of the Spirit. You may have it. I don't know where you are in that battle, but if you have decided to follow Jesus, you're in this spiritual warfare, and the Lordship of Jesus Christ is one of the most important things that you can understand and realize, that He has the authority, the might, and the power. All our confidence is in that. All our confidence is in Him in that. Let's keep on moving. Okay, so I took too long in those first two verses. We have a lot more, 11 more. Okay, let's go. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Do you guys know what the Greek word uh, means for every there? It means every. Like, it means all. Like, that should shock you, that, that we have every, all, everything, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Every one of them. Now, Paul is about to show us a few of them. These aren't all in the next 11 verses. These aren't all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. A lot of people think that. They, they read this and they think, oh, well, now he's, now he's all. they're not all of them. Uh, even contained in here aren't, aren't all of them, guys. Like, we have so many spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. They're like infinite, right? Like, we, can, we probably need books and books and books to write them in, like John says about Jesus and, and what he does. He's like, I guess gave you a sampling of what Jesus did on this earth. We could have so many more books on it. So your spiritual blessings, like these are the foundation for our spiritual blessings, for us walking forward and experiencing every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Okay, I don't really want to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it um, because we should talk about it. But, I don't, yeah. So, this is, we already hit a word chosen. We'll hit, predest, we'll hit predestined later. So, I'm going to touch really, hopefully really briefly on, on this passage and, and those really rich theological terms and, and, and that, those, those words. So, all right, here we go. Um, we, this is, this is a, one of the major, the main passages for those, those people who call themselves Calvinists. They would identify with this passage, they would say predestination, predestination, predestination. Um, and, and then you have another camp, Arminians, who, who would say, well, there's, they, have, they have another, there's something else going on here. And, and here's, here's the bottom line, guys, with predestination, it's in the Bible. So we've got to figure out 
we're not figuring out whether it's there or not, because it is. We're figuring out what we believe about it. Now, as a church, we don't have an official position on, on this topic. Uh, we, our leadership team is a mixed bag. Our church is a mixed bag. I'm sure you guys, there's, we have, if we have a spectrum, we have people on both ends and everyone in between. And, and so, and that's okay. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with my leadership team believing differently on this. I'm fine with our church believing differently on this because it is not core theology, okay? It's not core. There's certain core things that we should hold on to like this. These are uh, the Trinity, the virgin birth, Jesus is God, Jesus uh, died on the cross for redemption, even your understanding, your theory of the atonement isn't core. We made that core. There's, there's multiple theories, but that there is atonement, yes, that's core. Jesus was raised from the dead, that's core. Eschatology, uh, study of the end times, is not core. Okay? Whether you believe Jesus is coming back here, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, premillennial, post-millennial, amillennial, that is not core theology. Your theological preference on that, we can all believe differently and be in the church together. Whether uh, you believe uh, in complementarianism or egalitarianism, that's not core theology. Like that, that is, we have people on both ends and everywhere in between. Like that should not stop us from being in the church together. Uh, I'm open to being wrong on all those issues. And, and, and that's okay. Like you guys should be okay with saying, op- having those things open-handed and being wrong on those issues. So, Calvinism, Arminianism. I want to say to the Calvinists, there aren't just two camps. There aren't just Calvinists and Arminianists. Okay? There's an in-between there. It's a spectrum. To the Arminians, I want to say, to both camps, I should say, don't put yourselves in a box. These are man-made theological constructs and systems. They're coming out of the scriptures, yes, but, but just think about it. They're, they're named after men. Like just, just think about that, okay? Um, so don't put all your eggs in that basket. Don't die on that hill. Don't hold on to those preferences like this because people are dying and going to hell all around us and we're infighting over Calvinism and Arminianism and, and egalitarianism and complementarianism and, and uh, pre-tribulation eschatology and post-tribulation, blah, 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 we can go on and on, and we're infighting over that, and the world is out there, and they don't care. They're not concerned about those things. We've been in Toronto for six years, and I've had two conversations on Calvinism in those six years. I was in academia before teaching theology, guys, and everyone loves to talk about it there. Everyone's all about it there. When I came out, and, and we're, in the, we're in real life and ministry and out of the laboratory, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody cares anymore. It's, it's, it's not a big deal because we know that we're supposed to be doing something more and, instead of just infighting. So in this church, guys, um, we don't have an official position on that. And that's, that's uh, because I don't want us infighting. We're to be unified okay, over the core things. And if we can focus on Christ, if we can be unified around the core things, we won't even see the other things. They're, they're just going to go down back to where they should be, secondary, tertiary, whatever that fourth level is, um, theolo- theology, okay? And if you're new to this church, I have a PhD in theology, so I love this stuff. 
Okay, I, I love talking about this stuff. We can always talk about this stuff, but we're never gonna let it divide us, okay? We're never gonna let it divide us. There's far more important things going on than whether we are predestined this way or predestined this way, okay? So let's, let's move on. And don't, don't be afraid to talk to me about this, guys. Um, like I said, and you can talk to anyone on our leadership team about this, we all have different opinions, but all of us have said the same thing that I just said. It's not going to prevent us from, from working together for the glory of God. All right. So, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Here's another thing. If you guys can get the holy and blameless part done well, then, let's, then, then you can worry about your theological preferences. Most, most of us can't even get that down. Let's just focus on faithfulness, holiness, blamelessness, and be that for our city and for each other, to encourage each other to, to follow Jesus before we die on a hill for our theological preference. All right, in love, he says, this is the picture, I gave you this picture of love last week, this love where Jesus is just tearing things down, he's trampling sin, he's trampling the head of the enemy, and he's running after you as a hunter pursues his prey. This is that type of love. So in love... He predestined us for adoption. Don't be uncomfortable with that word, guys. It's a biblical word. Let's just accept it. Whether you think that, whether you think that Jesus predestined you personally and intimately to be in Christ Jesus, or whether you think that, that Jesus pre, or that God predestined you to uh, be in Christ personally and intimately, you're probably confused right now because it's a very subtle distinction. That is why we don't, <laughs> that's why we don't let it divide us, because it's so subtle. So whether, whether you, wherever you are in that, know this morning that he's pursuing you in love, and this is how he's loved you. And he's predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, through the purpose of his will. Guys, that is such a powerful statement there. Don't just read over it. We've been adopted. He has, he has said, come into this family, and we're going to talk about that more in chapter 3 and what that really means for us. But he has said, come into this family as sons. That is not a remnant of patriarchy, guys. That is actually a reflection of the gospel and its power to erase gender inequality, social inequality, socioeconomic equality. He does not say sons and daughters here. Right? We've, we've inserted that language into our songs and into our, our things like that because we want to be inclusive and, and those things. But the Bible was... was way inclusive before, before we thought we knew what that meant. So the Bible is saying here, uh, and, and for those of you out there who aren't familiar with the scriptures, for those of you who are, this is not a patriarchal book. You have a fundamental misunderstanding of this book if you think it is patriarchal. The Old Testament is not patriarchal. It is God operating in a patriarchal society, and he's using that to bring the gospel and renewal and reconciliation. He's, he's operating in our sin, guys, just like he's doing it now. How amazing is that? Like, yeah, it's just, oh, so amazing. I, I wish, okay, I wish I could spend the rest of the time talking about that. So we are adopted as sons. We're not adopted as sons and daughters. There's no distinction that's the, that's the, that's the um, truth there. There's no distinction between you and the family of God. 
nothing on gifts, nothing on abilities, nothing on intellectual ability, nothing on the way you look, nothing on your gender, nothing on how much money you have. We are all the same in Christ Jesus because it's through him, according to the purpose of his will. And Jamie hit on this this morning. That word purpose there uh, is not a great translation. The better translation, the fuller translation, the more intimate translation, especially in the light of this text that is in love, is good pleasure. It's for the good pleasure of his will. Guys, God isn't some grim reaper. He isn't some old man sitting on a throne just waiting to punish you and and just trying to execute his plan cleanly. He isn't some cosmic genie either. And he's not just waiting for you to mess up. God is love. This is out of his good pleasure. He's pursuing you this morning. And out of his good pleasure, he wants you in his purposes and his will. And this is to the praise of his glorious grace in verse 6, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now that word beloved, Jesus is only called this that one time in the New Testament. There's one other instance in Matthew 3 where God says at Christ's baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, but Uh, This is a messianic term. This is Paul declaring Jesus as the Messiah who who has come to take away the sins of the world. This was a term that the rabbis in in the Hebrew scriptures, uh, the rabbis of old, would use for the Messiah. So Paul saying that Jesus is the beloved is a statement, is like a huge statement that this is him, guys. He's here. He's come to rescue us. And the good news, the powerful truth of this for you this morning, is that because Jesus is the beloved, you are the beloved. Because Jesus is the beloved, you are the beloved. Are you like hearing that this morning? That there's so many things that you have in Christ Jesus, all these blessings, and it now hopefully it's starting to extinguish the things that you are not. And the lies that you've 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 been. So here's the thing, guys, when this bottom line, when we don't know who Jesus is, when, when we don't know who he's not, and we don't know who we are or who we're not, what ends up happening is we just end up floating around in the culture, in our world. And you become not culture creators, which you're meant to be, you just become culture acceptors. And you don't stand firm in the faith, which you're meant to do, according to Ephesians 6, you end up cowering in the corner. And us as followers of Jesus, we're not created to cower in the corner. Not when, not when Jesus is Lord and he has the authority and the might and the power. So let's rise up this morning in confidence in who Christ Jesus is because in him, in verse 7, we have redemption. He's ransomed, he's ransomed us. He's redeemed us. He's, he's bought us with a price. There was a cost on us and he paid it. And how did he pay it? Through his blood, through his life. He gave up his life so that you didn't have to give up your life. And what is the immediate result of this? The forgiveness of our trespasses. Just think about everything you've done wrong in your life. Think about everything that you are in your heart, your brokenness, your your lust, your your, uh, the lies that are in your heart, your the way you view yourself. We can go on and on like uh, all those things he is redeeming. All of those things he is forgiving according to the riches or the wealth of his grace, which he lavished upon us, guys. Like, this is in abundance. 
God's grace does not run out. You cannot take your salvation and rip it from God's hands. His grace doesn't run out on you. He's always saying it's here for you, and he's lavishing it on us. And when I think of that word, I don't know, I just think of a bubble bath. Bubble baths are lavish, right? I can't remember the last time I took a bubble bath, but I think of, like, God just, like, it's, like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Like, bubbles, bubbles, yeah. And it's just, oh, I can rest in this, and I can light candles and just have a good time and, and just rest and take in. Okay, I've never done that. I just want to say that I've actually never done that. But it sounds good, right? Maybe I should do that. Um, but he's lavishing it upon us in all wisdom and insight. Do you realize that you have access to all wisdom and insight in Christ Jesus? That's amazing. You have access to all wisdom and insight in Christ Jesus. That is so amazing. Are you guys accessing that? Or are you just saying, oh, I want to live my life how I want to live it? Most of us do the latter. But he says, no, you have access to this. Why aren't you making use of it? And that wisdom and insight makes known to us the mystery of his will, which we won't get into, but uh, because Paul hashes that out in, in chapter 3, what the mystery of his will is. But know that you have access to that too. According to his purpose, his good pleasure, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of times is the way that should, is the better translation. It's the fullness of times, not just time. Times meaning all these things, all these separate times coming together in one time in Christ Jesus. And we get to experience the fullness of that to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Guys, you are a part of something much greater than yourselves. One of the core values of Trinity Life Church is movement. We know that when we moved here and then we started this church, that we were joining into God's work that was already here. We didn't come here to create something. We didn't have to. We just came here to be in in God's work that was already here. That's exciting. God is already working at your job. I talked to someone this this morning who's who's starting a job next week. God's already working there. And he's put you there and given you that job for a reason, for you to bring glory and honor to his name. God was already working before you got your class schedule this, this, uh, for this semester. And you might say, I should have asked God to give me a different class <laughs> or section. But God is already working in that, and he's put you there for a reason. He's put you there to be a light. He's put you there to be salt. He's put you there to be a kingdom representative to be a minister of reconciliation. God is already working in all the areas of society that you've been placed in. And you need to look for where to join him. So ask him where that is. Ask him where he wants you to join. We talk about Trinity Life Church. Our vision statement is discovering identity and destiny in Christ in order to influence our city and the world. That's, there's a specific ordering there. First, discovering your identity in Christ. That has to be the foundation. It's then. And, we, and guess what, guys? We all have the same identity in Christ. We just talked about that. And now discovering your destiny in Christ and we all, and this is just a fancy word for purpose, but we all have the same purpose, destiny in Christ. So many of us spend so much time saying, God, what's your will for my life? I can tell you what, your will, what God's will is for your life, generally. If you can get that right, that destiny purpose part right, then let's talk about the next part, influencing our city and the world. That's your specific gifts, job, vocation, domain, 
talents, uh, family, his, uh, ethnic background, all that stuff goes into influencing our city and the world. But first, identity and destiny in Christ. So he's laying the foundation for that here. Guys, walk into that and, and start to discover that uh, with him. All right, let's roll through the next few verses. Verse 11, in him, we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He's reiterating stuff he's already said, but uh, we've obtained an inheritance. There's, <laughs> there's two different schools of thoughts on here because, because the, the language is a little weird here. The reason, when Missy read this, the reason it sounds like it's a run-on sentence is because it is. Like, this is actually one whole sentence in Greek, uh, which is, which is kind of wild. So, uh, so it's a, it gets a little hard to translate sometimes, and this is one of those spots. I actually prefer God obtaining the inheritance. There's more evidence for that, that because we obtain the inheritance later in, in the next few verses. So God here, and it goes with the context, we are his inheritance. We're his heritage. He's obtained us, guys. And in the scriptures as a whole, uh, covenant language is, is we are a people for God's own possession. That's used throughout the entire scriptures. And so God, after all that we just said, has possessed us. Hey, oftentimes we think of possession as, as a bad thing, right? Because we think like demon possession. But we're spiritually possessed by the Holy Spirit. He's possessed us, guys. He's indwelt us, and we are His. That should give you confidence. Verse 12, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ, hope is not a doubtful uncertainty in the Scriptures. It is founded in Christ Jesus. It is a certainty. It's not like I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope uh, Jesus saves me in the end. No, he's already done it. We know that uh, it's a certainty. So we've hoped in Christ. We placed our hope in him to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth. Guys, the word of truth. Um, so many of you guys are content with believing lies. And how can you not believe lies when you don't have the word of truth, this book, in you? But so many of you guys struggle with this book with understanding this book, with reading this book, with knowing who Jesus is. And you can never battle the lies if you don't fill yourself with truth. He says, we receive that word. We have access to it. And the gospel of your salvation, the good news, that word is, is, means good news. So don't necessarily import all the theological baggage into there. Uh, the good news of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Guys, the Holy Spirit has been promised for thousands and thousands of years. And now we are partakers of, of him. The promised Holy Spirit. And we were sealed. You've been marked. The enemy knows that you are not his anymore. And the enemy knows that you are the Lord, uh, that you belong to the Lord of the universe. That should rise up confidence in you. That the Lord of the universe says no when the enemy tries to attack you. And you have the power and authority in Christ Jesus and the might to say no. You have the power to choose life. And he says, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. This is our inheritance now. The down payment, the earnest money for our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The praise of his glory is 
is repeated three times in that passage. In verse 6, it's, and, and it gives us this Trinitarian framework. In verse 6, it refers to the Father and what He does. And in verse 12, it refers to Jesus Christ, the Son, and what He does and His role and His person. And in verse 14 here, it refers to the Holy Spirit and what He does and His role and His person. It's this beautiful picture of giving praise and glory and honor to the Trinity, not just one person of the Trinity. And Paul, Paul like, just beautifully crafts this, this framework for us in understanding and stepping forward in, in who the Trinity is. One of the main tools of the enemy, guys, is fear. And fear is kind of the direct uh, enemy of confidence for us in Christ. And the scriptures talk so much about confidence in Christ Jesus. The New Testament is all about having confidence in Christ Jesus. And so many of us live in fear. And you may say, oh, I don't, I'm not like cowering in the corner, but how are you at work? How are you among your family? How are you just in approaching this book and approaching the Father? He's our Father, guys. So many of us, think about how you act, think, and talk when you are around people you don't know, a stranger. And I think about how you act and talk around your closest family members and friends. Now import that into how you act and talk with God. Are you on this end of the spectrum or are you on this end of the spectrum? Where are you on that spectrum with God? He's our Father. He's pursuing us in love. So many of you talk to God like He's a stranger. So many of you treat God like He's a stranger. You see Him once a month or once a week. You, you come to church and you expect to, expect to see Him here. That's not how this works, guys. This is a way of Jesus. This is us following him. This is us giving, giving him our lives. So if you want to experience these things, that has to happen. 2 Corinthians 3, we're going to close with this. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 are some of my... Uh, to me, they may be the most beautiful chapters in all of the scripture. I love these passages. So if, you never, if you're not familiar with these passages, go read chapter 3 and chapter 4 sometime this week. Um, and you'll see what I mean. Paul says this, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? He's talking about confidence in Christ here. Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all, and there's such beautiful imagery here in verse 3, and you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, like the law, like the Ten Commandments, but on tablets of human hearts. Verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, that He's written on our hearts with the, the ink of the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's so amazing. Not that we're sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Stop letting the letter kill. And let the Spirit give, let the Spirit give you life, guys. Stop quenching the Spirit in your life, and let the Spirit give you life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your Spirit. Thank you that you gave us your Spirit. Thank you that you saw fit to leave in order to give us your spirit. Thank you that we live in the age of the spirit, that the prophecies that were, 
that were given way back when in Ezekiel and even further back that we would have your spirit are fulfilled and that we get to experience that. So Jesus, may we follow you with all of our hearts and all of our souls this morning. Lord, stir something up in us, rise up confidence in you, and help us to know more and more about who you are and who you're not so that we can know more about who we are and who we're not. We love you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.